Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Find and Follow podcast, where we are all about helping you find and follow Jesus in your everyday life. Welcome back. Uh, we've got Craig and Kyle and Scott here on the podcast today. So Great job. I've been noticing you've been saying your name first a lot lately. Oh, okay. Introduce. Well, you know, sometimes you just got to switch, switch it up. Think about others more than yourself. Man, Jesus right out of the shoot. Wow. Oh, man. We're, we're ready to roll. Bless their you, Scott. Yes. Well, we're going to get there eventually at some point, probably earlier than later. But Matthew 5, Jesus starts laying out a lot of like clear details on his kingdom and what it means to follow him. And uh, it's meaty, if you will. Weighty. It is. Weighty, like, meaty, flavorful. I was trying to think, like, how, how long do we talk about it? Because you could, I mean, you could have a podcast like Perverse almost. Like, it's... Perverse? No, per verse. Explicit content on this episode, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think we've got the explicit rating ever, which so is well, that's good. Yeah. I hope not. <laughs> I don't even know what the threshold is. Do they have an algorithm that listens, you think? Uh, probably. You don't have to do anything on your end when you're producing um, it? I think you can click the explicit, but I'm sure if people don't, yeah. there's, there's, there's a computer listening for keywords. As far as I know, we haven't been bleeped yet, have we? No, no, we're good. <laughs> good. We're good. But we're, uh, anyways, enough of the production level of things, but we're, we're back at it here. going to be talking about blessings today and talking about the kingdom of God mm-hmm. and uh, just uh, a lot of good stuff that Jesus helps us, I think, with some clarity about really what it means to follow him in our everyday lives. Like, it's not just the tagline you start the podcast with, although it's helpful to have like a start for the podcast. Um, People like behind the curtain here. If you've ever been on something like this or part of something that is a little more got an official start time, there's always like pre chatter. Oh, of course. And that's for me. I'm like, could, I think I said it maybe two weeks ago or last week. Like, did we start already? Should we have started? Like, this is good stuff. It's good. The pre chatter was was pretty good that that week. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and sometimes we'll start talking and then we get into it and we're like five minutes deep and we're like, oh, we should push record record and like really start um but some yeah anyways so what's going on with your guys world this week what's happening uh what's going on stuff stuff that's going down in your world everyday life you know this podcast is more than just jumping right into the, the meat and potatoes of the scriptures it's it's us as people real people yeah doing real things in life so, Craig, you are, you are at a dif- different church. You're helping uh, Northbridge Church out, doing some work yeah, for them this week. I am. You were there this last Sunday. Yeah, occasionally I have somebody ask me, so how are you enjoying retirement? Are you just, like, you know, doing fun stuff and enjoying the, the freedom in your schedule? And the fact of the matter is I am doing fun stuff, but there's not a lot of freedom in my schedule. I'm just as busy as ever because I am helping Northbridge, and I'm uh, devoting a lot of time to helping Think Small uh, with their global ministry to children in a dozen different nations and, you know, keeps me busy. So. Yeah. I mean, there's freedom. You're choosing I, I do to do all these things. I am choosing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm doing it because I want to. I'm doing it because I think that's something Jesus wants me to do. Uh, but those things keep me busy. So, yeah, yeah, I have plenty to do every day. In fact, I have to be very intentional about saying, nope, I'm not going to work anymore. Like, I'm going to be done. Like right. last night when, when mom got home and... and uh, that's my mom, in case anybody's Oh, sorry, curious. yeah. So when <laughs> Cindy my got mom, home... My mom probably came home to her house last night. I hope so. Sometime. Yeah. I just said, to, she says, well, how, how long are you going to work? Because I was in the office at home. And I said, oh, I'm shutting the office down now. I'm not going to work anymore. Because I'd been basically working all day. So... Yeah. But it's work I'm choosing to do. And, uh, you know, most of it is volunteer work. So Right. 
I think that's a helpful. I mean, that's good. I love it that you're yeah, and you're doing a lot of your sweet spot stuff. Yeah, it's you stuff know, I you enjoy. Mm-hmm. Feel like you're naturally more gifted from God mm-hmm. at, and it's it, you're competent, but you also it's more life giving and joy filled work. Yeah. Even yeah, though it's, it's always at times it's work, and you're like, oh, this is tedious, or this is right. You have to persevere, and but you're doing more of that type of work, which is awesome, which we all should be doing. Yeah, I but, think you brought up a great point though, um, that you had, you always have had to have a and I'm done moment. Like we live in such yeah. a culture now where yep. work from home, uh, you know, you can work remotely, you can work from a phone and a computer, and you know. Uh, in a lot of different ways, we don't have great boundaries all the time. So people will be not working when they're at work and they're doing social things, they're planning a trip, an event, they're on the social media for social reasons, not for like work purposes. And then they go home and then they're working and answering emails at nine o'clock at night. And we have these really confusing boundaries. And it just takes that intentionality to go, I'm working right now. And we have a culture of younger people that have just grown with access to everything, you can be in classroom on a computer, quote unquote, doing work, but then your buddy's like, "Hey, check out this YouTube video," and you're right. That's just there. There's a confusion there. Whereas in olden days, remember the olden in days? Olden days, you just would go to work. Do people say that anymore, Kyle? Olden days. That's all you could do. <laughs> Here's one of the best things for boundaries I found in my life: is just don't bring your phone. Hmm. If you don't want to get distracted, leave the phone in the other room. I went to basketball practice last night and just unintentionally left my phone at the house. And you have that moment halfway there. Because I was texting with parents. What, we were trying to show up early in scrimmage with the other team. And then we had to share a gym, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, blah, blah, blah. there was actually communication. I was like, eh, you know what? It'll all work out. We'll get there. Kids will show up when they show up. We'll warm up. There'll be things. I don't need I a do phone. I do not know how life happened before our cell phones. Like, like, seriously, for thousands of years, how did people get along without cell phones? Well, it's it crazy. It didn't happen at the pace and the volume and the connectivity that we have currently. No. So we've we've hit that on the podcast, the ups and downs of all of that. Yeah. I I don't know what's going on in life. Things, stuff. So Talk about busy. You've been busy, Mr. Lead Pastor. I have been busy, but it's good. Yeah. Right, good I update. Got, there. I got we got a crib delivered to the house the other day. There you so go. Like, See, these oh, are there vital you things. Go. Like put some baby furniture together last week, and then the crib got delivered yesterday. Things are coming along. Do you there. guys call it nursery or you call it baby room, or just the we haven't got there yet? Yeah, haven't got there. It's still the spare bedroom. Okay, AKA Lindsay's walk-in closet. Right. Um, she goes to work before me, and I'm not a morning person, so I don't wake up any earlier than I have to. So she goes to work before me, so she gets ready in there. So she's got, a, like, a vanity in there and, and stuff. Um, so she might have to keep sharing that with the baby. Or the baby might have to share that with her. Um, uh, newsflash, buddy, you're getting woke up earlier. Oh, the, if yes, the baby needs oh, yeah, to be it's sleeping, coming. You, you're, uh, you're behind <laughs> yeah. the baby sleep. Uh-huh. Kyle's sleep, not as important as baby sleep. Yeah. And you'll agree to that. Yeah. You'll be like, Kyle I need baby sleep. Kyle doesn't sleep that great anyway. So, like, I didn't sleep well last night. Yeah. And Kyle can do two shots of espresso. Baby be just cranky. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's chugging along. So we're still keeping it like a spare bedroom for a little bit. We might have some guests come in the next few weeks and then start tearing stuff down and yeah. making the switch. Make it official. Because yep. you guys are on the um, back half. We I are mean, you're closer to eight, having the baby. Than yeah, it's 18 weeks or 17 weeks left now. So yeah. I think tomorrow is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, you're you're over we are past half. the halfway point. Correct, absolutely. And it's just again, it's an educated guess. 
Give or sure. take 40 weeks. It yeah. could be 38, and they're fine. Like, babies are healthy and developed enough. So you could be 16 yeah. weeks. 15, 16. Yeah. yeah. You never know. Never know. So, anyways, let's jump into uh, Matthew 5 here as we wrapped up last week just kind of talking about Jesus got going with his public ministry and began preaching and healing and teaching um, and talking about the kingdom of God is here and people turn from your ways and follow, follow Jesus, follow the, the Son of Man, the Son of God. And so he shows up and he, he sees this crowd of people that he's mingled with in the sense of, you know, taught them, teach them, uh, healed taught them. Taught them, teach them. I know, I was going to say something else in the words. Words just didn't get there. Uh, healed them. And they've come from all over. I think that's an important, because verse 1 says, and he saw the crowds. Like, who, who are the crowds? Who are the people that Jesus is t- teaching? Because that gives you great insight onto why he's teaching them what he's teaching them. And so it's this multi-ethnic, diverse group of people. I find it interesting that Matthew takes the time to reference both the crowds and his disciples. So I'm wondering, it makes me wonder a little bit, and some commentators kind of disagree on this, is is are there crowds of people that are still there just for the shock and awe factor who want to get a piece of him, but they're not really following him? They're not his disciples. They wouldn't, you know, again, back in, in the day as a rabbi, you would have had people that are more, it's more like an apprenticeship, more like a mentor, and they would, you know, this rabbi-disciple relationship. But then there's people on the fringe, too, that are just... Uh, heal, you know, kiss my baby, shake my hand, heal my my kid, right? And uh, I don't know, I just find it interesting. The crowds are gathering, but he makes a point to that the disciples are the ones that gather around him. Those who have a vested interest, who are would probably consider themselves his disciples. Maybe they're the ones closest to him. Maybe they're the ones that are listening more intently to the message, be taught by him. Right. I I kind of think of it like. You ever gone to a wedding and you're like, I kind of know the people, but not really, and I'm more, I'm more here out of obligation. And then you're like, you feel enough like you got to go to the reception for a bit, at least make a showing. And then you're like, free food? Can we cut the cake? And then I'm leaving. I'm not hanging around till the end and I'm blowing the bubbles or throwing the rice because I'm not that personally vested. You're like, there's some free food here? Cool. Can we get some food? Yeah, the cake doesn't look that great. Let's just, let's bail. We've made enough appearance that. Sign the guest book. People getting a few pictures. Yeah, we people saw us, so we are good with the public relations. Department. Is this one of the things like last week that you threw me under the bus? I have to disagree with you now, but then I'm going to steal your analogy later, which <laughs> I don't think I've ever done. By the way, I got to stand up for myself on the podcast. Hey, if you're not here to defend yourself, I was like, I, I literally can't think of a time I've done that, but maybe I do. I don't. Yeah, know. just a couple of weeks ago in a staff meeting, you. I disagree team, with you. I, yep, I, team Appreciation Day, and you're like, I was like, oh, Team Appreciation Day, we still call Tad. You're like, that's dumb. And then No, the, I don't think I said that was team dumb. meeting, absolute oh. airing it out right now in public. Wow. And then it, you're like, hey, Team Appreciation Day, we still call it. That's pretty good. Like Scott said that the other day. That's, okay. I like that. I think I can get you warmed up I to probably made fun of you in the moment, poked a little fun. Huh? I don't know if 100%. I ever said it was a stupid idea. I was just like, you when you the, were like super excited about, uh, anyway. Yeah. Okay. Um, hey, yeah. welcome to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we? Well, he hey. tried to throw shade We're trying to help you find and follow Jesus in your everyday life. Right? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. The fringe people at the wedding, right? The, Correct. It's funny. In, You've been in, to a party and you're like, hey, it's a dinner party or a bigger event. And you're like, eh, we can leave now. At we're my good. brother's wedding in Belgium, there's, um, it's a massive party. It, it, it's ridiculous. I mean, there's so many stages and we literally party till like four in the morning. 
Um, but it's interesting because in that culture, you literally get invited to different parts of the wedding depending on how close you are to the bride and the groom. Mm. So as a family, obviously, we everything, we're there for the wedding, the ceremony. And then after the ceremony, you go to like cocktail hour, a little pre-reception, and there's people who showed up to that that weren't at the ceremony, that just come to that part. And so then, oh, the more people are filtering in. And then dinner, we go to that. And then it was awkward because we're finishing dinner and there's like a line of people waiting to come into the reception that aren't eating with us. And we're eating this fancy dinner and these people are just standing there waiting to clear the tables to start dancing. Right. And I'm like, what's the deal? We ain't paying for those people yeah, out there. Exactly. They're not worth it. No, they're just work friends. Like literally my brother's like, oh, that th- those girls work with Lee's. They're, you know, they're work friends. They're acquaintances. But... We didn't, yeah, we didn't buy them dinner, and <laughs> they didn't get to come to the ceremony. They're just going to celebrate with us. And I was like, wow. So, yeah, that, you know, that scale of how close you are in relation. Yeah. I like that example, Scott. It's a great example. And then you just got to flip it for Jesus. Jesus never excluded the party, really, for the crowds. It's just the people's personal interests. Like, I don't know. I heard something, or that's un- offensive, or I got my free food, or my healing. So we got a long walk home. Let's let's leave now. Actually, on a couple of traffic. occasions, Jesus actually pointed out to the crowds. He said, no, you're here because you ate the food or yeah. you saw the miracle. You're just here to consume. You're here to to get in on the action because you... You know, you had a great experience. Yeah. You want to have it again. You it's got not, the, you got it's the not about door me prize. personally. It's about what I'm doing for you or, you know, how you're entertained by the miracles or whatever. So he calls them out on on a few occasions. Yeah. And so he's, there's and a certain call, amount of that He's here. calling them up to like, hey, no, come find me. Like be about me because that's the way to eternal life. And so as we jump into this passage, you know, the next couple chapters of Matthew and Luke records it and. Uh, Mark, and it's just this kind of core teaching of Jesus about the kingdom of God, what it means to follow him. A lot of times these get lifted out of context and then will be like a moral or ethic teaching. You know, they'll just kind of be like, hey, isn't this good to be like, be a peacemaker? Like it's, it's far greater than that. So sometimes we'll be real familiar with some of this stuff, but I think it's really helpful in light of, you know, Jesus is trying to present the new kingdom and the new way to be human and the new way to really follow God, but it's not even new. It's just people lost track of the way to follow God from before, and he's calling them back to it, and he's adding even more levels and layers as far as, like, heart and intention and our hearts to be after God, not just our outward action uh, on certain things. So, There's a couple things I think that are also important to keep in mind as we go through 5, 6, and 7, which are all considered the Sermon on the Mount. Um, There's some things that as we get further into these chapters that are going to be difficult to understand properly, if we don't keep in mind a couple of things. Number one is that um, there was a prevalent teaching that the Pharisees had propagated at that time, and it was, it was not an accurate reflection of the law of Moses. It was stuff that they had added in their own interpretation, and it was all kinds of stuff that Jesus wants to correct because he knows that they've been They've been, um, this stuff has been foisted on them. They bought into it. They, they have believed the Pharisees, and he's coming to correct that. Foisted, that's a good word. Pushed it on them, yeah, foisted, yeah. you know, shoved it down their throats, however you want to look at that. But the other thing to keep in mind is that this is before the cross, and he's speaking primarily to a Jewish audience. So he's not speaking to Gentiles who don't have the law. He's speaking to Israel. He's speaking to Jews who do have the law of Moses, and he's speaking to them in the context of before the cross. This is not... This is not um, Galatians or Romans where we're under grace. It's a new covenant. This is, this is Jesus helping them to understand not only what the law actually said, and in contrast to what the Pharisees said, but the heart behind it. Right. 
So just things to keep in mind as we go along. Yeah. And at the risk of, like, getting ahead of ourselves, like, he ends this section. And whether it's one teaching at one time, whole teaching, you know, or if it's he would teach these regularly and repeatedly, and then they were just compiled as, like, here's Jesus's, you know, main messages. The, the point is, in chapter 7, he talks about the wise and foolish builder. He's saying, hey, you're hearing all of this stuff, but don't be like a foolish builder who builds a house on a bad foundation on sand. And then when trouble in life comes and things happen and it just like cr your life crumbles, you're like, what happened? Like, well, you didn't build on the solid rock. You didn't build on concrete. We built on concrete. Like, have you ever seen old houses? Um, Amy, Amy really loves old houses, old barns, and we'll stop literally on the roadside sometimes and it looks abandoned. We'll trespass and we'll go, go look at things. But they'll be on like field stone foundations because they grab the rocks from the field and they kind of stack them up and they put something in between them and like, that's not going to last 100 years, and houses like sag. So Jesus is making that point, that illustration, and he says, uh, everyone who hears the words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. But he's saying those, in contrast, who do hear his words and implement them in his life, but it's far greater than just doing some outward behavior modification. It's this heart transformation of what it means to follow Jesus. And so if we get too caught up on... If we read this, we get too caught up on like, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. Then we end up in legalism. And like you're saying, not in under grace and understanding who we are in Christ. Right. So any other, any other thoughts there to set it up kind of as we jump in here? So we jump into these nine next statements of, of blessing. Uh, you're blessed if you are Let's do it. doing this thing and saying these things and becoming these people. Um, and again, some of these might be real familiar to some folks. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, blessed are, are uh, those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the Is peacemakers. That the NIV or uh -huh. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. And blessed are you when people insult you. Do you got a, what do you got? I was looking at the new living. I think a lot of people NLT. would know these at different, like their translation that they right. maybe as a kid or, or heard it somewhere, because um, I think they're they're really familiar and sometimes just out of context. So, what's Jesus getting after on these? Yeah, lessons? I mean, I I talked about this on Sunday um, in our in our series at uh, Mission Church on Sundays, uh, popularly unpopular, and I used uh, Luke's translation of the Sermon on the Plain. Uh, which is talking, uh, which contrasts the blessings. With the sermon on the stage. <laughs> the sermon on the flat part of a place. Uh, the the blessings and the woes, the, the blessings and the sorrows. And uh, I made the point um, a little comically, and, and I hope people got it because I had some conversations afterwards, and I'm like, I don't think you got what I was saying. Uh, <laughs> of, of, uh, it's, it's always funny what I said versus what you heard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What I meant versus what you and heard. And I probably so, went a little too far making fun of Hobby Lobby signs and blessing. Everybody's got something that says blessed in their house. Hashtag blessed. Big deal. I don't think we understand what we what Jesus meant when he says blessed. Uh, what we think blessed means, what it means to be blessed, um, especially as you look to a list like this of what, what the blessings that he is saying. Um, I think a lot of times we think happy or fortunate or fortunate, um, which is kind of there but not it's it's 
I think it's such a disservice to what Jesus actually means when he says blessed. Um, and he's specifically pointing to these things, that these are um, qualities that are to be envied and emulated to live this good life, this abundant life that he's call, called us to. We, um, we uh, so we, like small group, we've had this joke kind of running for a couple of weeks and then in the text thread, some some signs and pictures. So literally like people were commenting, you know, on like, am I blessed, not blessed, whatever. It was late. Is in the evening. Amy and I started walking around our house looking if, for like blessed signs. Like, do we have? What do we have around here? Because we're looking around. What'd you find? Um, just there was like one thing. We're not. I I love the Word of God. I love Jesus. I love the church. We are not overtly like a Put lot of Christian signs in our house. We have a spoon rest that we got from for as a Christmas present from like my college buddy that says like may the Lord I don't even know it's a scripture I don't even know what it is on a spoon rest does spoon it talk rest. about rest no it's like may the Lord bless his house or one of those right like, really I don't you it, should look into that I'm curious yeah. now uh, but we don't we just just not our style right I mean again I love <laughs> love scripture we do have forgive as the Lord forgave you in our bedroom. Because uh, sometimes we fight against each other, so when we go to bed, we look at that. So that's a good one. See, that's um, that's how they are helpful. That yeah, they're great. And I'm not. I wasn't trying to <laughs> knock it, but I just I made the comment. Hey, you probably got a lot of blessed stuff at your house. So a lot of our small group was sending pictures. Yep, here's this. Oh, I found another one. Oh, I found another one. Uh, or just like they were out and about. Like, oh, look at this sign. Um, but I think again, we view that as oh, well blessed. And, and this is again, there's a juxtaposition here with. The blessed are the, are the poor and the meek and some of these like lower type ideas that we would understand that we like, no, blessings are to the powerful and to the rich and to the mighty and the, the strong. And Jesus is flipping the scripts again. And again, the reward that he's talking about in quotes um, is at the spiritual level, the spiritual experience and relationship with God rather than like a material um abundance that we would tend to think of. Yeah, I, I think that's really important. As Americans, you know, in Western culture, uh, when we, we just casually talk about, oh, I'm, I'm so blessed, we more often than not, not always, but more often than not, we're talking about the material things we have, the, the home we live in or the car we drive or the income we have or whatever the case. And there's, there's nothing wrong with acknowledging those as, as blessings, um, but that's certainly not the focus here at all. The closest thing that, that comes to that is verse 5, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. So there's a, a real estate blessing there in the, in the future for those who um, humbly, meekly, uh, submissively follow Jesus, then there's a reward down the line. But everything else is, is really, like you say, it's spiritual, it's kingdom of heaven stuff. Yeah, and again, it's even in that, it's the, the confidence of the forward fulfillment that Jesus is bringing in the life of someone who puts their faith and trust in him. So he's using these ideas, the poor and the meek and the humble, because my trust isn't in myself. My trust isn't in my material possessions. My trust isn't in, again, I made the joke like, yeah, the sun's always shining on me. I don't hit any red lights. I'm blessed. And then James told me uh, on the way out from church, there was a train. <laughs> like everybody, a bunch of people leaving church were like, oh, we're not blessed. We, got, we hit the train on the way out, right? We didn't do the right thing. And again, I know it's silly and it's goofy to think about, but practically and tangibly, we think through those things. Like, oh, God, what did I do wrong that you sent that train and I was late to church or I hit so many red lights or why, you know, why is it raining today? All that kind of stuff. And um, having a, a healthy look at what Jesus 
calls blessings and abundance and, again, that fulfillment of who he is and trust in him, which is why I think he uses some of these things that we would look at as lower than or less than. Yeah, and Luke does a little bit different take in the sense of he's comparing and contrasting where he's saying, hey, those of you who are, are blessed are their, their mourning right now, uh, and he con- contrasts that, like, woe to you who are just laughing. And it's like, well, wait, is Jesus trying to say be sad people all the time and not be happy people? The whole context is if you make life all about you and what you can get here on earth, you're going to be woe to you, right? You're going to be sorely disappointed when you arrive in eternity and go, oh, snap. This is what life is all about, and that stuff compared to knowing Christ and his kingdom and loving him and loving the people around me uh, with with God's love, that's what life's all about. And you can, like, woe to you who just, like, made life about you, what you could get, and through parties and laughed and eat and drink and marry for tomorrow we die type mentality. Um, you got yeah, troubles and, ahead. And, and Luke, uh, I like the woe to you because it seems ominous and it's a little Old Testament, but it's this proclamation of sorrow that, again, you're you're building your life again back to your your example you're building your life on these things and like you're going to be sorely disappointed when you find out the truth you're going to be you're going to be devastated and Jesus isn't doing it as like a point in your finger and like haha look at you like look what's in store for you but like if you build it's your, a warning yeah because he doesn't want that to I don't, be yeah, I don't want you to 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 you're laughing now cuz everything's great because you're building your life on your success or your power or your wealth or your you know, earthly relationships, whatever it is, not even necessarily bad things, but they're never meant to be that source of abundance that you could have in me. And you're you're going to come to a place where you realize and understand the sorrow. Yeah. yeah in another place, Jesus will say it very succinctly. He said, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Yeah, nothing. That's, I mean, well, that's you, a rhetorical question. Yeah. Oh, okay. The yeah. answer, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Jesus needed to no. answer his he own was, question. Yeah, it was point. obvious I, what I he use, was saying. I use Luke's story of the, the rich man who builds up the barns in, in Luke 12, and the end of that story says it's so foolish to get all this stuff but not have a relationship with God. You thought you were being smart and wise, but you were being so foolish. And, and again, I think it's easy to look at some of the things in the, that our world would do define as wise. Oh, you're so wise with your investments and so wise with your time and building your worldly wealth and building your fame and building your strength. And um, again, not necessarily any of those things are bad in and of themselves, but you are doing that at the expense of your relationship with God, the foundation of what really matters, and you're building your life there, which is the foundation for it, which you will be, so- sorry, you there will be woe eventually. And the good news is we don't have, like we get a heads up, like listen, Hey, yeah. pay attention. Jesus yep. is not like giving a pop quiz here at the end and like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. No, it's very clear. And that's what he's making the point of, like we talked about earlier, disciples versus the crowd, people that are more in tune. Um, that's why Jesus would say, hey, those of you who have hear, ears, li- like listen up. Like if you want to know the secrets of life and the reality of eternal life, here it is. Listen, like have eyes to see, be in tune spiritually. And Jesus is making this point, like even the first one, blessed are the poor in spirit. There's, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Hey, don't be so spiritually arrogant that you think you can pave your own way to heaven. It's kind of what he's getting at there. Like, have a humility. Recognize that you are in need of the mercy of God in your life. And so be poor in spirit. Is, is That's what that means in essence. That's how I read it. And Jesus is, you know, Matthew setting up this whole thing. is Jesus as the new Moses, and he's the greater Moses, right? Jesus came out of Egypt because his family had to flee. 
because uh, of Herod trying to kill every two-year-old and under, right? So they escape to Egypt. They hang out there for a while. They, the, they the come NES out of, game. You know, what? The NES game. Riding on the camel. <laughs> oh, I remember geez. it vividly. I forgot about that. Uh, so, like, they come, he comes, Jesus comes out of Egypt, like the, the you know, the Hebrews, the Israelites came out of Egypt, baptized in the Jordan River. They crossed the Jordan River. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness here, right? And then he's sitting on a mountain teaching, bringing the new and, and fuller understanding of what it means to follow God. So it's in direct, again, who's he talking to? Jewish people who yep. understand. Yep. Israelites out of Egypt, um, cross the Dead Sea, you know, uh, it, baptism, it, wilderness, teaching from God on a mountain, all that. Again, I think we already made the point, but I want to emphasize the, the, the fact that these Beatitudes are not instructions to, uh, for us to say, oh, this is how you get blessed, uh, go around sad. Or this is how, if you want God's blessing, then, then be this way or be that way. As a matter of fact, in, in our relationship with Christ, um, all of this gets taken care of. I, I, I think what, what he's saying here on the, in the Sermon on the Mount is if you happen to be poor in spirit, if you understand that you actually are spiritually impoverished, then there's a blessing for you. If you are sad, there is a blessing for you. If you are meek or humble, there's a blessing that's going to come with that. Not, hey, go be this way in order to get the blessing. And as a matter of fact, as we're, as we're in our relationship with Christ, we're already blessed. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul makes this point. He says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Because I'm in Jesus and Jesus is in me, all these spiritual blessings are already mine. They're already mine. Correct. I may not be experiencing them all just yet, but I will, and they're already my possession because I'm because Jesus is in my life and because I'm his possession. Right. And if we take the Beatitudes and just try to equate them to worldly results, am I blessed or not blessed? Let me look around in my life that you can get fired from your job today and you can be like, I'm blessed yeah. because I have every spiritual blessing. The, those nine things really are all centered around Jesus. Like humble yourself before him. You're going to be comforted in him. It's about your relationship with God, not like yep. what you're getting from God or from the world. That's great. That, and that that's what I, I mean, that's what I was communicating on Sunday and I want people to hear and understand is how we view this and understand this and associate this with, again, that person's blessed because, you know, fill in the blank. Well, they have more than me, so they're more blessed. God loves them more. It's just, it, and it's really easy to slip into that mindset because our world, specifically our 21st century American culture, has built this uh, delineating lines of who has what and who's better and who's more popular and who has more likes. I mean, it just gets worse every year, I feel like, with the way that we differentiate between who's better and who's worse. And as we look back to the words of Jesus, and Scott, I, I appreciate how you said that with the poor, because I think I think the first few, and, and Jesus here in the Sermon on the Mount, as opposed to like Luke's gospel or even the way that Matthew writes this, he explains it a little bit and expounds it a little bit more what he means when he says things like poor and, and why he's saying that. Um, and, and so things like poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are meek, are all this... this uh, understanding this relationship before God and understanding the healthy, right relationship between us and Jesus, uh, having no ability to please God myself, understanding that, you know, that he has done all the work, that um, I'm mourning, you know, my joy comes from him, not from myself. All of those types of things uh, is Jesus' way of understanding a right relationship with him. Yeah, absolutely. And if I, we, again, I think we, I think we can't overemphasize this today 
um, for one, we're all susceptible to wanting to be favored, wanting to have special rights and privileges. Who doesn't love to like go to the front of the line or uh, to get invited to the special dinner for the wedding ceremony? And then the the low lifes are outside looking in. But um, there's false teachers out there. There's people who claim to know Christ and they're teaching this, and it's very popular. It uh, it tickles the ears, if you will. Yeah. It's it's one of those things like, hey, you want God's favor, and you want to, you know, want health and wealth, and you want your kids to obey you, and you want to have a better house and a bigger car and a better job and have success in your marriage. Here, do these things, and God will show favoritism to you, and you'll be blessed. You'll have God's favor. And if that's our framework, uh, Romans two eleven says, "For God does not show favoritism. Uh, for it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but is those who obey the law." who will be declared righteous. Like, God doesn't have favorites. He's not picking and choosing an elite group that he's like, oh, you're really cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you more blessing than others. He's like, um, if you want in to the family, you'll be part of the family, and you'll have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Yes. And, but, I mean, and again, I found myself dealing with this as, as I was communicating on this because, like, I, I find myself because... Uh, when, I, when I'm praying with my wife, we, we're always thankful for God for the blessings that he's given us, the fact that we are blessed, um, and we are thankful that we are blessed by God so that we can be a blessing to others and all this kind of stuff. And, and you know, even Jesse uh, in our gathering on Sunday um, quoted the Old Testament scripture of, um, you know, this benediction of may God bless you and all these types of things. And so I find myself asking for blessing and asking for those things. And I don't think that's bad. And again, I'm, so I'm trying to help us understand a, a healthy understanding of what it means to be blessed and the fact that I am blessed, but that I would seek God. God, I pray that you would pour out blessings on my life so that I could be a blessing to others. And, and again, for me, um, trying to have a healthy understanding of that and a, a biblical understanding of that. Not, I'm not going, hey, God, I pray that you would make me more wealthy because I love wealth and I want to be, you know, but understanding that God does have blessings for me and, and does have things for me to bless in my life. Um, I just think, like you're saying, Scott, it's really easy. So people take things like that that are very scriptural and very biblical principles and just twist them ever so slightly that goes, yeah, if you pray for blessing or if you do these certain things, then God will bless you. And oh, by the way, that's what this means. It looks like this and it looks like my bigger house and it looks like, you know, my jacuzzi, which is bigger than your jacuzzi and, you know, all these types of things. And Don't even have a jacuzzi, so, so you're quite a bit bougie. Than with well, your you're apparently not very blessed. No, yeah. absolutely. Right? And so it's it's easy. And again, I think in, in our primary Western culture specifically, because um, then we go, well, what about people all over the world who barely have anything and you're saying that well they're not blessed that's, yeah that's it, the dangerous part the very dangerous part i, I know then we have a vending machine god and that's not yeah. the god we have yeah. we have a transactional i do this you give me that and if i do more of this you'll give me more of that relationship and when we talk about wealth god's very clear he's like stuff's fine because we have to have stuff otherwise we'd be like outside naked and hungry all of us right now you know like stuff he doesn't want the stuff to get us he doesn't want the stuff to get our heart. And then right. he says that it's, like, it's hard. If you have more stuff, you get more distracted from the true source of life and your trust and your foundation then gets to the sand and not the concrete. Let, let me illustrate what you just said because uh, I, I am thinking, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking about two different sets of friends that I have, uh, over, have, have known over the years. Um, in both cases, both these married couples uh, came from Spokane originally and then went as missionaries to East Africa. Um, one of them more recently, one years ago. And in both cases, um, they told me this personally. They said, 
when we come back to the United States on furlough or to visit or to raise support or to you know see family or friends or whatever it is that causes them to make that trip, they said it's challenging for us, and and for us it's um, something we have to really pray about because it's hard on us spiritually and and in our relationships and stuff. It's just very difficult to come back into this culture and continue to keep our focus on Jesus, that it's actually easier for them to serve the Lord in the culture where they are. And, and I've asked him, I said, well, why is that? And he said, because Americans are so obsessed with materialism and influence and power and achievement. And, and it just, those things are all very distracting and make it very difficult to have a singular focus on Jesus. And in both cases, the couple said, I said, would you rather, like, if Jesus hadn't called you to be a missionary, would you rather be back in the United States in this culture and enjoy the, you know, the the, the things that this culture brings? Oh, no, absolutely not, because it we, we just have found that it's just so much, relationally, with Jesus and with one another, just so much better and easier to serve in a, in a culture that's not so obsessed with materialism. I, I think that was very telling. Yeah. Yeah, and even to to kind of help us all with the, what does blessing mean? Like verse 11, it says, blessed are you when people insult you. Again, that, that doesn't really jive with that really narrow, like how does God bless me? If, you're, mm-hmm. if your neighbor curses you out, if your coworker, uh, you know, kind of ostracizes you and starts gossiping and then there's that group of people at work who don't really talk to you, connect with you anymore, you should, you should you're blessed when people insult you and we got to keep reading because sometimes you're like, oh, so if people just rude, then I'm blessed. No, if they persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of your relationship with Jesus. Right. Because you said, I'm poor in spirit. I have humility. I recognize my need for God. I'm, I'm banking on God's mercy and grace and forgiveness in my life. Um, I'm about being a peacemaker, not a you know disruptor. And I'm about being merciful with others because I've been shown mercy uh, from Christ that I've been forgiven. That I'm meek in my spirit. I got a humility about me, about who I am in Christ, and not making life about me. And then if people come around and insult you, persecute you because of all of that, because you're the way of Jesus, you're blessed. Yeah. And we just don't roll around with just, that. We, we, we don't, don't make sense. feel we, that emotionally. Like, gosh darn it, people are rude to me, and I'm blessed. It's counterintuitive for us, and and I don't think we do get it. But I know the early church got it. Um, there's a place in Acts. I can't think of the place right offhand. With Peter and John were yeah, and, and, well, persecuted and they, yeah, they, and were they rejoiced. Yeah, yeah, they, they, it, they the left the court. Is that what it is? is that, that'd be Acts 4 if, it, yeah, if that's I the story. Acts 4. Anyway, the scripture says that they rejoiced because they were considered worthy to suffer for his namesake. Like that's, like that's a goal, like that's an achievement, like that's a, a, you know, a feather in their cap, so to speak. It's just like, oh man, I didn't know if it was going to happen, but look, we got counted worthy to suffer in his name. Let's rejoice. Let's celebrate that. I don't think we get that in our culture. Yeah. They were just excited because they were like, hey, we're kind of suffering like Jesus suffered. We're, that's like we're on the right track. We're doing it, we're doing it right, this following Jesus thing. This is good. So is their connection to Christ in the suffering. You know, it's those times in scriptures, Romans 5, where else to say, just like consider, consider it pure joy. Like when you face trials and tribulations, because it's going to develop a perseverance in your in your faith and character that can't happen when it's just the quote unquote good times. Yeah. Not that we go out seeking suffering or seeking persecution, um, nor is it 
God's ideal plan. It's just part of our experience. He's just saying, no, you're blessed because you're, you're following Jesus. You're following him. There's some pushback. Um, be okay with that. Like, yeah. Know that it's going to come. Don't let it throw you off track from following Jesus. Know that God's got you and provide for all of your needs, mentally, emotionally, and physically. Yeah. So we, you, you referenced uh, James when he says, count it all joy when you go through these difficult times. And it, it reminds me of something that I learned years ago about giraffes when they give birth. Oh, yeah, I'm those, so I excited for this. Yeah, giraffes are fascinating. I did like like in what was God thinking? Elementary school, I did like a <laughs> report on giraffes. Yeah. You, know, you had to look in the encyclopedia, the olden days. I know. Those? Let's make a four, four-legged uh, animal with a really long neck. It's like a 12-foot neck. Yeah, it's, it, I love it. Giraffes are fascinating. I'm so, so eager to understand where a giraffe in the oh, blessing. Oh, or, wait for it. Uh, wait for whatever. it. Get, get your pen. I know. Out. This I'm is going to be excited. worth writing So when a, a pregnant giraffe mama gives birth, she does it standing up. Yeah, I've seen it on the, the Discovery, Discovery Channel. Yeah. Uh, I was so the animal got, planet. So that, they got really long legs. That's on a bucket list. To yeah, do so a it's, safari. A, it's, a, it's a drop. So, hey, welcome to the world. Boom. You know, the baby drops onto the ground. And then very quickly, because if it doesn't get up on its legs, it's, it's going to get eaten. It's, gonna, it's not going to survive. So very quickly, it gets up on its legs. But here's the thing I discovered. As soon as the, the newborn giraffe baby gets up on its legs, mama kicks it off its legs and knocks it down, forcing it to get back up. And then mama will knock it down again and again. And the reason that she does that is so that the... she's a jerk. No. Well, you see, exactly. So it's counterintuitive. And she's doing that so that the baby will strengthen its leg muscles because if a predator comes, they've got to be able to run. And mom knows that. And she knows that if he just, this newborn baby giraffe, just stands there, the muscles aren't going to develop in the ways that are necessary for it to be able to run, which are necessary things for it to survive. So she knocks it over. It's really a blessing. Hey, I love you. That's why I'm going to knock you to the ground. Hey, I love you. I want you to survive. I'm going to knock you to the ground, forcing you to have to exercise those leg muscles. Correct. Yeah. God disciplines those he loves. And, and it's like, ah, wait. Ah. You it's know, like a mom and giraffe knocking us down. It's like, yeah, because if there's, I, I not, if there's not discipline, like if there's not the knocking down and the strengthening, uh, you die and you get eaten. If there's not the discipline and the correction, we are sucked into our own sin nature and we begin to think, um, I'm the center of life, and I can solve all of my own problems, and I start building my life on sand. I don't build it on the foundation of Christ and putting it into practice that he says, hey, those of you who are poor in spirit, you're blessed because you will receive the kingdom of God. If you recognize your, your humility that you need the mercy of God, you're going to be blessed. If you begin to think, I don't need God, I don't need God's forgiveness, I, life is about, you know, I can devise my own way of how life works. We've talked about that in the high-sounding nonsense where we just become enamored with my own ideas and or, or whatever. Um, there's trouble ahead. So God's like, oh, I'm going to correct. I love you too much to let you just keep going down this pathway of destruction. Yeah, yeah. and again, back to Luke. I mean, there's sorrow awaits. I mean, the, the woe was a, a throwback to what the prophets of old used to do. They used to say, hey, God is speaking to you. Because he is warning you, like he wants you to know, and he wants the abundance for your life, and he wants you to be eternally satisfied. And like, there's warning lights. He's not just been like, oh, figure it out yourself. He's like, there's whoa, there's sorrow ahead if you're doing it this way. I have a better way. Follow me, and with me, there's an abundance of life. Right, and that's what he's saying when he goes into the salt and the light thing. He's saying you live this way. It's it's attractive to people. It's the one. The one way of life that you can't find anywhere else. 
I mean, that's the beauty of being part of the family of God and new people going, whoa, I've never experienced this kind of generosity and this kind of love and acceptance. You can't find that anywhere else on, on the planet. That's what he's saying. You're the salt of the earth. But if you lose this way of life, if you lose this understanding of, of how life works and how blessed you are and the different ways you're blessed, then, like, what, what, what good are you? Like, it's same with the light. If you're, you're the light of the world, like, be poor in spirit, be meek, be peacemakers, be... People who are like, I got persecuted today because of Jesus. This is great. I'm blessed. Yeah. Be those kind of people. Don't hide your light. Don't lose your saltiness. That's what is attractive to others because it's how we're hardwired and what we are all ultimately desiring down deep in us. Yeah. One of, one of the specific ways that we are salt and light and show that kind of generosity of spirit is actually identified in verse 7. God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy. Uh, it reminds me of the passage in Luke 6 where it says, given it shall be given unto you. And in the passage, it talks about mercy and grace. And we often will quote that in regard to finances, but it really is a much bigger picture. Basically, what, what the Lord's telling us is that if we're generous with our mercy towards others, guess what? God's going to bless us and show us mercy. And if we're generous with our love, He's going to show us love. If we're generous with our uh, affirmations and kindness and toward other people, it, it, that's going to come back our way. And so he said, blessed are those who are merciful. They will be shown mercy. And I, I think it's important for us just to, you know, if I want forgiveness, I should give forgiveness. If I want kindness, I should show kindness. Yeah, in verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart. Your motive for forgiving is not so you can get forgiven. Your, your motive for being merciful is not that you're looking for mercy. Because then what you're doing is you're leveraging someone else's trauma for your own benefit. True. You're like, oh, you're hurt? Let me show you some compassion because I need some healing in my life. So if I give to you, God will give to me. Blessed are the pure in heart. I'm merciful to you, whether it comes back around to me, quote, unquote, or not. That's what you need. And that's what Christ would do for you and has done for you through me. Right. So that's, that's that trick tension. There is a truth and reality that it does happen. But if we act in our lives and follow Jesus based on that motive, we're not pure in heart. No, that's true. That's a very good point, and I agree with that entirely. And I also think that if our motive isn't pure enough, if it, you know, how, how pure is pure, right? <laughs> yeah, right? I, I hesitate. When, right I, when I said it, I go, oh, man, that's a landmine. Yeah. Someone might have just heard that and go, "I know." oh, wow, well, be, I, I think it be best, holy as God is yeah. holy. Okay, I'm out. Pure, but I, it's I, pure I enough. It, I think it best... Our motives are always a mixed bag. But but if our motive yes. is primarily, let's just use that word, primarily for the sake of the other person, hey, for their sake, they need to be forgiven. Um, you know, for their sake, I, I need to show them kindness. Great. That should be the primary motivation. I agree with that. Um, and, and I don't think if the primary motivation is, oh, I'm going to be kind to them so that other people be kind to me, I don't think that lasts very long. I don't think we... No. It's, it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. Because you will not get rewarded enough for what you think you're doing. Correct. Yeah, exactly. exactly. We, we all think we should get paid more. We all think we should get blessed more. Yep. I mean, I'm making a really hyperbolic statement. But you're like, oh, I was kind to that person. Oh, they should be kind, and they should be kind, and they should be kind to me, and I should receive all this kindness. It should be way far greater in my life than what I've done for others. For the most, most of us, most of the time, yep. when we get into that. Yep bad circle of Exactly. Motivation. That's the point I'm making. And, and I, what happens when, that, when we get to that place where it's like, okay, I've been, I've been really, really kind and I haven't gotten very much kindness back. Now I'm getting bitter. Now I'm going to stop being kind. Right. So that it's just not a sustainable thing unless the motive is yeah. primarily for, for the sake of honoring God and 
and caring about people. Like when I obey God once today, I'm like, yeah, all three of my children should obey me every day all of the time. Because <laughs> you did it once. I was obedient to God, <laughs> so therefore they should be obedient to me. You know, right? Just just me on that right. island by yeah. myself. Sure. You, you guys are like, no. So as we're wrapping it up here, um, hopefully it's helpful for you today. And, and for us, again, for me, it's always helpful for me prepping for pod, the podcast and talking about it. And it's just, it's always beneficial. Helps me grow. Helps me get uh, more personally connected with Jesus. But hopefully that's broadened your understanding of blessing and what blessing is and isn't. Hopefully it's helpful for you to kind of maybe make you curious and like, okay, how am I blessed by God? What does that really mean in life? What are what are some maybe some things that I think are directly tied to the blessing of God financially, you know, health and wealth and wholeness type stuff that um, you know, ultimately in eternity, we're all we're all healthy and wealthy and whole. Um, mm, so you got to there's broaden, a point right there. Broaden our perspective on the blessings of God. It's far greater than to next Tuesday or next year. Um, or so anyway. So hopefully it's been helpful. I, I felt like I was just going to keep going there onto another podcast episode, trying to land the plane here uh, for you and, and blessing. And we'll dive more into uh, the teachings of Jesus here on the Sermon on the Mount as we continue. Uh, our conversation next week. Have a great week following Jesus.